All right, we'll just start with a quick prayer. Dear God, please let me set aside anything I think I know about myself, my disease, the big book, the 12 steps, the program, the fellowship, the people in the fellowship, and all the spiritual terms, especially you, God, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth. Amen. I just wanted to talk today about uh, our spirit. I want to talk about God. I want to talk about um, really what we need life into and from, and that's how we were designed. We were designed in the image of God. We were designed with a spirit. We were designed with a soul. And, and so that's what we've really been talking about um, in the last little while is about our soul, really what we're turning over, really what we're giving permission um, for God to actually totally change. That's where our belief systems are. That's where um, we get our belief out of our experiences and in our intellect, our minds, um, create our belief systems. Uh, what it means to be a man, what it means to be uh, a boyfriend, what it means to be a son, what it means to be a father. All of those things have come out of our uh, belief system, which are our experiences, which actually motivate us. And and that's what we think about. And, and in turn, that's what we do. That's how we act. So um, kind of our belief systems are how we are, how how we've been. That's our being. And so that's really what we're trying to turn over to God is to really uh, wipe that clean um, and, and really get a new set of beliefs. <clears throat> and so as we as we turn this over, I think it, it, for me and my experience, it was a very, it seems like it should be easy because I'm at a homeless shelter on the streets and, and yeah, I want a new life, but the reality is it's so hard because this has been created for the last 30 years and it's got me to where I'm going. So um, I think the delusion is I can fix this with a little bit of recovery. Like my goal is to keep what I've had and add God to it or add recovery or whatever you guys are offering me. I'll add that and then I'll just grow and move on with my life. The whole point of recovery is not about this pain relief of the past, but it's about uh, freedom into the future. And so it actually gives you a life. And so I know that alcohol created my life. I know that within a year of drinking, my life had changed drastically. My boundaries had changed drastically. My belief systems had changed drastically. Simple things like my friends changed drastically. Um, my, my, my priority on, on, on working, uh, friendship, uh, what that means, it, it all, all shifted within a year. Um, I looked at what I could consume, not just from alcohol uh, and then later drugs, but from women, from uh, male relationships, anything that I could get, I took. And so um, that is what alcohol did to me. And so what recovery is saying, what God is saying, what, what the gospel says is you actually have to scrap that and start all over. And Jesus says, pick up your cross. And so basically what that's meaning is death of self, death of ego. And so that's really what we want to um, abandon. I love the word abandon. I'm starting to get a, a new, a new um, 
context for for what I actually do because surrender is actually telling me that I have no choice. Uh, but all of you sitting in that room, we all have a choice. Uh, anybody in a rehab center has a choice whether they they want to be there or not. You could leave in the next five minutes. Just get up, pack your stuff, and head out the door. And and we all have that option. Uh, the reality is I want to abandon my old life. And so I still have a choice in that manner. And we all do have a choice. Uh, it might seem like we come in with no choice. That, that was my personal experience. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live and I couldn't die. So I had to do something. And, um, but the battle was still there about this turning over everything, giving, uh, abandoning who I became, who I was, abandoning all that to get into a, a, a new life. And so we're going to look into our spirit because this is where uh, the problem I think resides with the world. Like this is not just an alcoholic problem. This is um, a, a personal problem to everybody in the world. Uh, we have this spiritual disconnect. We're spiritually disconnected right from birth. Um, and, and so this is what we're walking into. This is the hope. And so I work with people with the problem that we have. Um, I think a lot of guys that I work with have this massive mental obsession. Um, you know, they have a physical allergy. They have this, um, when, when you put in a substance or whatever it is, whatever your, your step one problem is, uh, most of us can go like, I can't stop when I try or it was, it was developed. It was a process of, you know, after a year or three or five years of, of, of using, I couldn't stop when I wanted to. And that's, you know, my life became unmanageable, but I have this mental obsession that keeps taking me back every time. And, and some people have been to rehab five, 10 times. And it's this mental obsession that God actually promised us to actually deliver us from that. And so that's a beautiful thing that we can be free of this mental obsession. Um, and so when I'm working with people and I see this mental obsession that is so big and so strong and so tricky in the background, um, I really have to rely on the power of God to go like, okay, I, I see the background of how the, the this person is thinking that I'm working with. And the only way that this man is going to stay sober and, and get healthy and recover is for something miraculous to happen. Like this needs to be lifted because this is what his thinking is. And, and it's all messed up is created out of his addiction. And so that's what we need God to come in and actually breathe life into uh, that part of you. And so you become a new person, you become a brand new person. And so that's the, the big disconnect is, well, I've already created a person and you're telling me I have to start all over again. Uh, what God has in store for you is a lot better than you could even think or come up with or even thought that you could even ascertain in your life. It's going to be a lot better. Um, just that's my experience of God knowing me. Um, you know, like my, the life that I created for myself was into the trades. I used to drive heavy equipment, uh, tractor trailers. Uh, the last trade I was in was the elevator union. So love working with my hands, love building, love um, digging, love operating, uh, that kind of thing. And then um, to stay sober after my first year of recovery of not being able to stay sober, we can all get sober. 
A um, lot of us are professional getting sober guys, uh, but staying sober is the uh, million dollar uh, question. For me to stay sober, I actually had to abandon all of my passions and loves and likes and all of the life that I had created. And so I just actually had to go, I have to trust God that he'll give me a life that is better than anything that I'm holding on to because I can't stay sober and I don't want to end up on the streets again. And it might not, ha it didn't happen, you know, the first month of, of kind of relapsing here and there, but I could see down the road that it wouldn't take long for that to happen. So I had to abandon that. And then out of that, I just went and volunteered everywhere I could. And out of that, uh, I got a job right where, um, you know, at 10 Karar. And it was a, a care home for mentally ill guys. And I started working there and I got paid and I was, I giggled to myself because this is something that I would do for free. Like th you're actually paying me, um, you know, not like I did in my trade, but I got paid enough to pay my bills. And that's a good dad, a good dad's not going to give a kid a thousand bucks a week for allowance because that's not helpful for the kid. That kid's going to get in trouble. That kid's not responsible. So God actually knows what's best for me. And so for me, it was this journey of starting to trust God to be able to abandon my old belief systems on how to make money, how to uh, get by, how to pay my bills, all of that stuff. And so it was a process of actually shedding the old self, the old beliefs, abandoning the old house and having God move me into a new house. And, um, you know, if you had told me 14 years ago uh, that I'd be doing what I'm doing, that I, I would get ordained as a minister, like that is, that is so far from anything that I would want to do or want in my life. Uh, it's comical. It's like, it is the opposite of what I would want. But God um, put me into uh, this position to, um, for, for, for his purpose. And, and so now I actually enjoy doing what I'm doing. It's not like, it's not like it's a, it's a burden. Uh, so then I can be reliant on him and his power. Amen. So I just wanted to read a story out of uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and kind of like lead us into, um, the, the the spiritual problem and and really into what our solution is and then uh, for the next few weeks I'm going to break down uh, our spiritual condition so I think I think we can all relate to um, what what the the doctor's opinion says um, about being irritable discontent and and restless restless irritable and discontent um, we all are born with that like I didn't get that from drinking. I got relief from that, from drinking. And so uh, alcohol actually gave me that relief. And for me in my life, it looked like I was always restless. I was always thinking that there was something better somewhere else going on. I had, I had um, learning disabilities and I had uh, dyslexia and ADD. And so I was always irritable and I was always thinking that everybody was better than me. Everybody was getting ahead of me. I have to prove myself to breathe the same air. I, I had this stuff in me from the beginning of, since I could remember, I had this fear in me. I had this anxiety in me. I had that maybe I wouldn't have described it like that, but there was tension in me. And so when I drank, it was the first time that actually went away. And, and that's what the doctor says. 
He says, men and women who drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. And I can, I can tell you, I like the effect, but the issue and, and why I became powerless is what it does in my body, it produces a craving for more. And so I go beyond effect into oblivion produced by the, the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so exclusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the, the truths from the false. So it gave me this ease and comfort, but at the same time, it was taking my life, not giving me life. But I couldn't even tell the true and the false. And I remember my parents, you know, I'm 19 and I'd been drinking for only like, I, I was a late bloomer. So some guys that I've heard of start drinking at, you know, eight, nine years old, start smoking weed at that young, um, man, what that does to the brain and, and how that captures um, uh, your physical and mental uh, it it would be really challenging to overcome that. Um, and, and the only way to do that is the power of God. Um, and, and that's a miracle that recovery offers. So um when I was 19, after two years of drinking, I, I I was faced with my parents giving me a bunch of options for rehabs because I came in after a couple of days, uh, you know, going out weekend worst warrior stuff. And I came home and they had a couple of rehabs laid out. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, why are you like, aren't I your adopted son who you love? And you're telling me that I need to like, you're banishing me. You're rejecting me. You adopted me just to reject me because you don't like what I'm doing. And I became very confrontational. I became very aggressive. And, and I could not differentiate the true from the false. They cared so much about me and saw that I had changed so drastically that I had given my life for alcohol and I could not see that. I could not differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. Because it gave, it produced such an effect in me that there was no other option that I wanted. Um, they are restless, irritable, and discontent unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort to come from ones at taking a few drinks. And that's what happened. I get in this cycle when I'm sober, I'm even left with a worse of a spiritual condition because the spirit of alcohol isn't connecting to me and, and giving me life and solving my problems. And so, um, you know, 15 years of this, um, I'm not able to live anymore by drinking. And so uh, this reminded me of where maybe you're at right now is like, how do I move forward into this connection with God? How do I actually unplug from the old self? How do I abandon all of the things that gave me life that, that, you know, wrote the script in my head? How do I abandon that and get this new life? And so I, I thought of a, a friend, they call them our friend, the minister's son. He attended church uh, school when he became rebellious at what he thought an overdose of religious education. For years thereafter, he was dogged by trouble and frustration, business failure, insanity, uh, fatal illness, suicide, these calamities in his immediate family embittered and, and, and depressed him. Post-war disillusionment, ever more serious alcoholism, impending material and physical collapse brought him to the point of self-destruction. And so these are all outside sources causing inner turmoil. 
And, and, and that's the beautiful thing of recovery that promises the outside doesn't have to change the inside will. And so this minister's son had this overdose. He came in with a belief system of who God was, uh, of who Jesus was, of all the rules to be a good boy, to be a good little person. And so if he's anything like me, you're disconnected from the spirit of God and, and you're full of self, you're full of irritability, restlessness, and discontent, and you're never going to be good enough because the religious rules say you have to be like this. You have to, and that's the interpretation that I always had. And, and this, this guy, this, this friend has the same interpretation. And so that's a beautiful thing that we can come into recovery and uh, believe in a God of our understanding uh, because our understanding has already made a concept of God. And so this isn't about making up God. God, even in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, says there is but one God with all power. There is one God, not seven gods, not 20 gods. There is one God with all power. There's a lot of little mini gods like alcohol and um, other other gods that we turn to uh, for worship. Uh, a God is to be worshipped. So um, the definition of worship is what I give my heart to, what I give all of myself to for life and validation in return. And that's what I did to alcohol. So the big book says that there is one God um, with all power. May you find him now. And so that's the beautiful thing is I need to get rid of the concept that I have of God and not let my religion get into the way of my recovery. And so that might be you uh, today that you've formed this concept of God through Sunday school teachers, maybe some abuse, maybe some physical stuff, maybe some learning disabilities, and you just couldn't measure up. And you, 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 you were filled with uh, spiritual disrest. Uh, you were filled with irritability, restlessness, discontent. You didn't feel like everybody else. And so this is what uh, this, this story is about. Um, he didn't feel good inside. And so when he drank, it all went away, but it became very self-destructive. Uh, one night he was confined in a hospital and, and, and these, these hospitals were called sanitariums back then. Uh, my, my grandpa as a second world war vet decorated, um, he, he outlived uh, a few battalions um, and he was sunk in uh, off the coast of Italy in, in a uh, boat accident. And um, he survived it all. And he came home as a, a hero, a hero. And he was put in a sanitarium for five years because of his drinking. And that's what they used to do to us. And that's not even that long ago. That's probably probably 90, 90 years ago now that my my grandpa was born. And so that's, you know, that that's after the World War World War II, that stuff still went on because there was no hope for people. Um, so, so that's what our friend, he's, he's confined in a hospital. He couldn't leave if he wanted to. He was approached by an alcoholic who had known a spiritual experience. This is what the life of recovery promises us, a spiritual experience. I know that I have had many spiritual experiences with alcohol. I need to have a spiritual experience that outweighs all of that so that the, 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 the problem of alcohol, the, the problem of my thinking will um, outweigh that experience, will outweigh the experience of alcohol. Our friends, our friends 
Gorge rose as he bitterly cried out, if there is a God, he certainly hasn't done anything for me. But later alone in his room, he asked himself the question, is it possible that all religious people I have known are wrong? While pondering the answer, he felt as though he lived in hell. Then like a thunderbolt, a great thought came. It crowded out everything else. And it said, who are you to say that there is no God? See how simple that is? But like we just read it, it doesn't do a lot for us. But in him, it's starting to transfer. He's having this experience with God that outweighs his thoughts. This man recounts that he tumbled out of his bed to his knees. In a few seconds, he was overwhelmed by a conviction of the presence of God. It poured over and through him with the certainty and majesty of a great title at flood. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. And those are the things that are blocking us from the spirit of God. And so the program of action that we have is actually to be getting rid of these things. But in this case, this, this God came to this man uh, in, in kind of like a step three experience to, for this man to actually turn over his will in his life. And so that's a beautiful thing about God. He's not this far off God that I always thought was ready to punish. And if we're good enough, we get to go see him at the end. The barriers he had built through the years were swept away. He stood in the presence of infinite power and love. He had stepped from the bridge to shore. For the first time, he lived in conscious companionship with his creator. Thus, our friend's cornerstone was fixed in place. Um, this is the cornerstone of our recovery is a step two experience. And so I came to believe, I come to believe in a power greater than myself. And, and God, in my experience, comes and actually shows me. Um, he actually... He actually is not this far off punishing father that is just waiting for me to do wrong. He actually comes and little experiences and shows me and, and the spirit of God actually awakens me to this. Um, no later, um, no later vicissitude has shaken it. Um, a, a cornerstone actually is the building blocks of, 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 of a wall, of, of a brick wall or a stone wall. Um, that's where they start everything. And so from there, the rest of the building is formed. And that's why we have to abandon our old cornerstone. His alcoholic problem was taken away. That very night, years ago, it disappeared. Save for a few brief moments of temptation, the thought of drink has never returned. And at such times a great revulsion has risen up in him seemingly he could not drink even if he would god had restored his sanity that's the beautiful thing i like that that picture that he steps um from from bridge to shore and it's like this boat that he was on uh that we had talked about that had the sail that was uh, this corrosive thread that ran through it. And we pull that thread and the sail just because like when you pull on your sweater and all of a sudden you, you got no shirt anymore because you didn't listen to your mom. Your mom said cut the thread and you're pulling it out and now you have this big rip. That's like the, the corrosive thread of fear 
shot through our sales. And that's what he's talking about. Our sales are ruined. Our sales aren't working anymore. We've pulled the thread, tried to, 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 to fix things and made more of a mess. And now God is going to take our ship and we have to abandon it and come to set our feet on shore. And so this is where I come into the decision of going, I want to I wanna shipwreck that boat and I need a new ship. I need a, a new a ship master. I need a, a new captain um, and, and I need a new boat. And so uh, that's the beautiful thing of that picture of, of really having to abandon uh, the ship that you were in for a whole new ship, a whole new cornerstone. And that's a beautiful thing about recovery. And so I actually don't get power of stepping on the decision. I actually get the power in, in step seven. And so um, that is the process, though. That is the beginning of really identifying and coming to terms with my spiritual condition. And so most of us, when you take away alcohol, are more miserable uh, to be around than, than we were when we were drinking. And so we do have this spiritual problem. Um, I really love how they talk about the spiritual problem in, in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 52. They talk about the bedevilments. We, we have the beatitudes versus the bedevilments. We have the bedevilments versus the promises. And so this is the spiritual condition that we all come into. Um, we had to, I had to ask myself, um, and this is really starting to understand the truth, because Dr. Silkworth actually says, like, we can't differentiate the truth from the false. So does this truth apply to me? That I had to ask myself, I should apply this our human problem with the same readiness to change our point of view. I actually have to change all of my thinking. Was I having trouble with personal relationships? Could I control my emotional natures? Was I prey to misery and depression? Was I able to make a living? Did I have a feeling of usefulness, uselessness? Was I full of fear? Was I unhappy? Was I able, I was never able to be of real help to other people. And so that's how I came in uh, to life. I had that in life and alcohol gave me uh, the relief from that and gave me power and gave me a life and gave me a connection. And, and until um, the reality was it took it away. It took my life away. And so where we're going to go from now is really just look at spiritual wounding and how that has happened. I, and I, I think we can all understand that we're born into this. Uh, we just like when you go to the doctor, the doctor does a physical on you. And then he asks you, uh, do you have, um, you know, heart disease in your family? Do you have addiction in your family? Do you have uh, cancer that runs in your family? Any of these diseases, that's what happened to all of us. Uh, at the beginning of time, Adam and Eve chose uh, disobedience chose independence. I don't think they were ill-willed about that decision. I think they just want to be like their dad. Their dad says, do not eat of this fruit. You can have all the other fruit, but don't eat of this fruit. And they were tempted. And, and the tempter says, surely you won't die. God wouldn't kill his creation now, would he? And so they thought that was a good idea. We'll have our eyes open and we could just be like Papa. We could just be like our creator. We can just be like God. And that's the, the biggest temptation that we all have is to play God. 
And we weren't designed to play God. We weren't designed to be the director. We weren't designed to be the employer. We're designed to be the employee. We're designed just to be the actor. And so that's how we've come into this life. Adam and Eve, they, they, they chose to have independence, to be like God. And then they were filled with shame. They were filled with fear and they hid. And so we come in the same way. Uh, we, we, we are their descendants. And so we all have come into this world disconnected from God. At birth, we're disconnected from our womb. There's fear, there's crying, there's a cutting of the umbilical cord, cutting of the life that we used to know. And now as we come into recovery, as we come into the good news of the gospel, we're asked to do that again, cut the umbilical cord of whatever was feeding us. And so that's the abandonment that we're talking about um, abandoning all of that stuff. And so we come into this, honestly, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Adam and Eve, they put some fig leaves on and then they were like, what can we ferment so that we can drink so that we're not scared anymore? Okay. Maybe that's just you, me, that would do that. We'd be looking at like, how do we ferment all this fruit? And, you know, anyway, um, jokes, but the reality is we are born in their condition that they gave us. They've passed it on. And that's what Jesus said. He's come for, to save the sick, to save the lost. Um, he's the doctor and we're the patient. And so am I willing to abandon all of my thinking that I am the doctor, that I am the great physician, that I am the director, that I am the employer and I'm running the show? Uh, it doesn't go well. So this is the beautiful part of of, of the recovery process is that I have to come to believe in, in this higher power called God. Um, and so I really truly believe that he has made a way for us to, um, to be spiritually connected to him in a faithful way um, that we can all uh, come to him and be connected in that way. So God's burden is easy. And his load is light. He, 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 his way is easy. I know that I came in burdened, full of fear and, and, and guilt and remorse and living out of this false self and just so confused of why everything's happening in the way it is. Um, that is, to me, it's very burdensome. And so um, I think what I've realized, and I'm starting to really understand that there are different tons of different addictions. And I think God has made it so that we can be addicted to him. Um, just like I was addicted to alcohol. So hear me out in this. I'm going to try to explain this properly. God has made a way for us to be faithful. God has made a way for us to um, have a, a light burden, an easy burden. Um, and so it's really interesting in brain chemistry. Um, what I learned with um, sex is that uh, a man can be faithful to a wife because at the point of um, uh, uh, of having sex, um, there is chemicals that are released that take a picture of what's in front of him. And so that's what uh, produces the craving for more of that. And so if you're doing that in front of, you know, 50 pictures and, and porn and all of that, then it really messes up for the ability for a man to be faithful. And so I think that's a beautiful thing that God created uh, so that we can uh, be faithful to one person, one mate. Um, it's the same way as how he's created us to be addicted. 
And so I believe, and I'm starting to really understand this in a way broader sense that uh, anybody with a love addiction, what they're really happening, they get into these situations and it, most of it's not sexual, uh, but they get into these situations that produce uh, endorphins. And so just like alcohol, the chemical uh, that produces for the craving for more, they have a, a craving for more endorphin hits. Um, just like the codependent, um, when they have control fixing chaos situations, it produces adrenaline. And so when adrenaline's produced, they have actually have a, per, a craving for more of that. And then a, they get into these situations and that's why they don't leave abusive situations. That's why they get involved in addiction people. That's why they get involved in horrible relationships. They, they take care of everybody else and not themselves. And so I don't have that happen. But when I drink, I have this production of a craving for more. What I've learned is if we can turn all of that away, unplug, abandon that, and we get spiritually plugged into God, it actually will produce a craving for more of that. And my, my, my addiction or my worship to God actually becomes easy because it's giving me everything that I could get and more from the other things that I've been plugged into. And so to me, when, when I look at, in my early recovery, I looked at people's lives that had it all together, that were recovered, that, you know, might've been in church stuff. And I'm like, that is boring. Like that doesn't sound like a life. Like I got these big plans and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to get, I'm going to do all this stuff in, in business and, 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 and all of that stuff. But what I worship, God actually changed all of those desires. And, and it, it's not like he took anything away from me. He took the bad stuff and left all the good stuff, how it was originally designed to be made. So that's a beautiful thing is that God actually has, has designed us a certain way. And then when I go to worship him, he actually, it's actually easy. It's not a burden. And so that's what we're going to look into is kind of these classifications of spiritual wounding, of spiritual sickness, of spiritual malady, however you want to call it, and our intense need to uh, medicate that. And so the only true medication is the medication of worship of God, the Holy Spirit. So we connect to these other spirits, they give us a life, and now we want to get life out of um, the Spirit of God. So that's what we're going to abandon. That's what we're trying to, that's that's the, from your head to your heart is, they say the, I don't even know if it's 18 inches, but they say that. It's eight, the hardest 18 inches is to go from your head to your heart. And so would you with me um, invite God in to give you an experience to come to you in a phrase, in a picture, uh, in a word, uh, through somebody else, uh, through something happening uh, when you're outside or going to bed, uh, just like our friend, the, the minister's son. It was so simple. All he heard was the phrase, who are you to say there is no God? And then we can make a decision to step from the bridge to shore to abandon our ship and come into a, a new relationship with God. And so we're abandoning that relationship for a new relationship. And so there is one God with all power. May you find him now. And so we get to decide if we're going to um, abandon what we knew uh, for something new. And that can be very scary. I totally understand that. 
Um, it is scary being uh, using and, and having your life go out of control. And then it's scary trying to get this new life and, and doing things that you never thought you would do and, and having uh, you change so drastically from the inside. Uh, you go from this selfish, self-centered uh, consumer to actually having your heart change to want to give back, to want to volunteer, to want to give your time. And, and I see the three guys around you, you might not like them all the time. And that's a good thing because that means they're doing their job. Um, you know, those three guys have a new life so drastically different, Matt, Kevin, and Sean, their lives are so different that, you know, five, 10 years ago, you wouldn't recognize them. And so that's what they're talking about is really abandoning the old self and, and having God restore and raise you up in a new self. Thank you very much. Um,